This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. All right, so coming up on the program today, we'll, uh, we'll stand by for Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. A number of things around the NHL. By the way, 10 games tonight. So only three yesterday, so you get to watch a large part of a lot of them or just focus on a large part of, uh, of all of them. If you're a multi-screen experienced person like I am, I got to know where you're, where the, the point where you sort of take a departure and say, okay, I can't watch this many games at the same time. As I get older, it's like mm, two for sure, three sort of four. I start to get, okay, I'm losing track of everything. Last night was a good one, but tonight we got 10 games. And we have the return of Brad Marchand uh, with the Boston Bruins, who was reunited with Patrice Bergeron. And that is where we will start. I want to get to Vancouver in a second, but let's start with the latest news. Um, Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts on Hockey Night in Canada along with me. Elliot, we thought it was going to be just before Christmas. Instead, it's just before November. For Brad Marchand, he joins the Boston Bruins, and he won't, as you point out, play the back-to-back, so he doesn't play against Columbus. But I didn't think that you could recover from hip surgery this quickly. Is he Swedish or something, Elliot? Uh, he would probably be insulted that you would suggest he be anything but hardcore Atlantic Canadian. Uh, he's, uh, <laughs> you know, I thought it was going to be Thanksgiving. Um, and I remember when he started to skate, I think the first time he skated with the Bruins, was a couple of weeks ago on a Sunday, and he, and he had a twinkle in his eye. And I think what this is a good reminder of is that a lot of teams and players, they probably overestimate the recovery. I remember I was talking about this once with, uh, I think it was Matt Nickel, uh, uh, who's a tremendous trainer. Um, you know, because I, I think it was Matt Sundin. Like Matt Sundin was a notoriously fast healer. Like he would. He. I, I remember there was one time he like. Bro- yeah, he was Swedish. He broke his ankle or something like that, or tore some ligaments in his ankle or whatever he did. And he came out in a walking boot, and they said six weeks. And I remember one of the Leafs players whispered, "They said not four, three or four. And I go, "How do you know?" And he says, "Because it's Matt. He always heals fast. And secondly." we always overestimate because, and it goes to psychology, Jeff, it's, it's always better to beat the clock than lose to the clock. Right. So number one, Marchand is hyper competitive. You know, he's going to try to beat it and get back before you think, or everybody thinks, but number two, I, I bet you they said, okay, here's a target. See if you can beat it. And a guy like him, is, is going to try to do that. It's funny, you know, we had a conversation about load management the other day, and now there's a little bit yeah. of load management going on here. Yep. Because he's not playing the uh, the back-to-back. You know, just, just as an aside, like I, I, I say, what is he, Swedish? Only halfway joking, because it seems as if more than any other, at least for the purposes of hockey, athletes who recover quickest seem to be the Swedes. And you know who was the the fastest healer I ever saw? And Elliot, you and I are the same vintage. We watch a lot of hockey in our time. The one player who could heal faster than anybody else that I ever saw was one of your favorite guys, Daniel Alferson. How many times yes. did you hear six to eight and he's back in three? Like it's it was ridiculous. It was like you would get the press release and you would snicker like there's no way he's missing two months. This guy's back in two weeks. To me, that was like I don't know if you like take the express train to Lourdes and bathe in holy water and come back and he's perfectly healed, but 
Alfredson was the one guy out of, you know, every year there's like, what, seven, 750 players in the NHL. He was always the guy you could bank on healing much quicker than than originally planned. To me, he was the he was the guy. Anyhow, Brad Marchand returns tonight. Must, must be uh, something Boston in the meatballs, Jeff. The Detroit Red Wings. Could be, could be, uh, could be, Elliot. Um, okay, Patrick Alvin yesterday. Mm-hmm. So Patrick Alvin meets media general manager of the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, tonight they face off against the Seattle Kraken, still looking for their first win. And boy. Let's see what we can read into this one. Let's see what we, kind of conversation we can come up with. This is Alvin yesterday when he's asked about a coaching change and goes out the door and around the block to not have to talk about a coaching change. Have a listen. Do you think a coaching change would make a difference with the roster and with the injuries that you have right now? Um, I think every every good team is facing uh, adversity, and and uh, it's just if you're if you want to be a good team in this league, you got to have the next man up mentality. And I think uh, the players that have been coming up here have shown that they're capable of playing games. Um, I don't think that's been an issue. Um, I think we need to um, have our kind of the top players to to buy in and be the top players every single day uh, you walk in here to the rink. And um, I think that's the difference right now. Did you hear anything about a coaching change in there, Elliot? Well, the thing is, if, if you listen to the whole 14 minutes, and uh, I went back and I did last night, it, they, another reporter comes towards the end of the media conference and asked uh, the question so let me get this straight there's there's like his i can't remember what he said basically says bruce boudreau in trouble here and he said we're all trying to work together to find the solutions and what that says to me is that i mean first of all i think the whole thing is kind of interesting like rutherford goes on after hours and cited a few other interviews and then alvin came out uh yesterday and it was kind of like Hey, remember, this guy's the GM. So I, I kind of was laughing at it a little bit. But um, it just seemed to me that whatever Alvin was going to do, he wasn't giving a sound bite on the coach. He just wasn't doing it. Now, I don't always get the strategy in these kind of things, but I have a feeling it was just don't pour gasoline on the fire when it comes to the coach. I, I think that's what that was. And everybody can interpret it their own ways. Um, look, I, I think this. I don't think they're in a hurry to fire Boudreau. I, I, I don't think they are. I think they realize that uh, this is a bigger problem than, you know, obviously they're not happy with the structure. But, you know, as someone pointed out to me, it, it's, it's a lot the same roster that they fired another coach last year. So I think that they're probably looking at it like this is bigger than just a coaching issue. Now, does that mean that he could be in trouble if they keep losing? Yes, but I don't think that it's the first thing they're running at. Um, the other thing, too, is, and this is not insignificant, Jeff, is I think they're paying you know $4.5 million to two head coaches right now between Boudreaux and, and yeah. Travis Green. So... I think they look at it like, hey, if we're going to change the coach again, we better get it right. And your your coaching pool can be very limited during the season. Like one of the conversations I've been having in the past couple of days is, let's just say for argument's sake, if Vancouver wanted to go outside the organization and promote someone who's somewhere else, would teams 
stand in the way of that. And it's not an easy thing to navigate. But I do think there's also a realization that, um, like, if, if you, one of the other things all being said was basically said we need our best players to be our best players. And I think there's a, a feeling there in Vancouver that we can't keep making an excuse that the coach is the problem here. And I, I think that's, I think that's part of what he's trying to say and what they're trying to say is we need our players to uh, drag us out of this. Um, and by the way, Jeff, in-season Stanley Cup match tonight, um, how are you doing so far in this pool? Uh, bagel. <laughs> I, haven't got out of the, the, I haven't got out of the gate yet. <laughs> you know, that happened to you last year, and you finished with a bang, I remember. Well, 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 last year I should have won. First of all, the commissioner was, yeah, yeah. was awful, and uh, all, every single one of my teams touched the cup. But that's for another conversation. Lance, where's the crying baby leave. sound? Yeah. <laughs> Squeaky wheel gets the grease. Listen, um, the the one thing, and we'll we'll leave the Vancouver conversation on this one and, and pick up something else here. I want to ask you about Edmonton, St. Louis last night. Um, I think a lot of people may be mildly surprised considering it's the captain after all. Uh, Alvin mentioned that there's been uh, no discussion recently with Pat Morris, the agent uh, for yeah. Horvat. Did you have a thought on that one? Does that mean that there won't be conversation until the end of the season? Some players like it, some players don't. Do we? What do we read into Alvin saying, haven't talked to Pat Morris? I'm not surprised. Uh, I think there's a, there's a stalemate there right now. Um, I have said this to you several times now, whether on this radio show or on this podcast or on our podcast, and that is that Mm -hmm. Vancouver showed in the summer that they can go from this is going nowhere to this is getting done very fast. And uh, everything I think about when it comes to Bo Horvat has that in the background. Uh, Vancouver kept on telling JT Miller, no, 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 no. And then out of nowhere, they said yes. Now, I, so I think about that all the time. That's number one. Uh, number two, I think it's always harder to do it when you're going in a stretch like that. And it's very clear to me from what the Canucks have said publicly and what I think they're doing out there privately that everything is under review. I think when you're in the kind of stretch that they're in, it's very hard to say, you know, we can, we're going to reward a player with a big extension whether or not he's deserving. So, but I do think right now that the Canucks have a couple of untouchables, and I'm not interested in causing a firestorm. I'm just stating this as a fact. Right now, I don't think Horvat's one of them, but I, and I think what they're doing right now is it doesn't mean they're going to trade him or anyone else, but I think what they are doing is they are trying to establish the market value of some of their players. Uh, yeah, no fire there at all, Elliot. That's uh, I'm sure everyone will take that with a very level head and look at it responsibly. I, I think and not rationally, I think everybody here. <laughs> I think rationally here, everybody knows what I'm saying. The Canucks are in a bad spot, and they're like, "What are our decisions going to be?" I'm not surprised they're not talking yeah. contract with them right now. But again, because of what happened right. with Miller, I don't think that is a hard and fast rule that it can't change. What do I, what do okay. I do this to myself? Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> Elliot says, Horvat to the Flyers. There's your headline. Um, <laughs> people just jumping in their car now hearing that. Um, you know, I, I, I mentioned this off the top of the show, 
that the Oilers uh, St. Louis game that we saw last night, the three to one win. I know it's only a few weeks into the season, but for and listen, you watch the same amount of games as I do, Elliot. To me, that was the best game I've seen all season. That was outstanding by Skinner. Great performance by uh, while well, Drysaddle was outstanding. Um, Ryan Nugent Hopkins was great. Connor is always um, excellent. Um, yeah. Seven save performance by Skinner stands out. But the the one image, and I know he's one of your favorite players. He's one of mine as well. Watching Leon Drysaddle deke out Robert Thomas on his knees. Like he's yeah. playing floor hockey in the basement with the kids, uh, it's one of the one of the images that is going to be with me for a long time. I thought that was the best game I've seen all season so far, uh, and there have been a couple really really good ones. What did you make of St. Louis and Edmonton last night? Oh, I think it's ironic that we're kind of talking about Vancouver, saying that our best players have to drag us through this, and Edmonton's best mm-hmm. players taking them through a game that, like St. Louis, is a tough place to win on the road oh, yeah. and, and, and their best, and their best players did. I, you know, I, you know, nurse scored early. That's big. Uh, as you mentioned, a lot of their players had uh, best players had big nights. Um, the empty net King scored again, Zach Hyman into an empty net. Like there, there was, there was a lot that happened there. And, you know, I, I think the thing you got a victory in a tough place to play was Skinner and goal. That's huge. And, I actually thought his post-game interview with Gene Principe was really good, where he talked about growing up watching Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Like, uh, you know, I, I thought that was—I thought that was fantastic. Um, so I agree with you. I, I thought that was a big win for the Oil last night, and uh, I thought their best players were were absolutely their best players. Like, I, I don't think the Blues right now are as uh, are the the mean, nasty Blues that they've been at their best in a couple in, in recent years. But that's still a, a really, really good team and a, and a really tough place to play. Uh, it really is. Uh, one more thing from last night. Uh, the Islanders over the Rangers, 3 nothing. And if anyone had yeah. any doubts where Leah Sorokin fits in on the hierarchy of great netminders, your Vasilevskis and Markstroms, etc., and Shishterkins, Fried, he's right there. Like that first period, I don't know how many right pad saves he made, but that kept the Islanders very much in the game. Like when the Rangers were peppering, 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 yeah. uh, Sorokin kept them right in there. They end up winning Kyle Palmieri with a, with a pair of goals. And that's a, as we all know, the rivalry between the Rangers and the Islanders. That is an absolutely huge one for a struggling Islanders team. Well, Sorokin did last night, which just Sturkin did to a lot of other teams. As a matter of fact, the Rangers, oh, yeah. the Rangers, they got Shesterkin last night. You know, basically, um, you know, I know there's they've lost what four in a row, and there's some concern. I actually don't four think they've played too. Yeah, I, I, I actually don't think they've played too badly. And I, I thought you're right, Sorokin saved them last night. But that's what you need. You need your goaltender to win games once in a while. I, I think it's you know, I think the Islanders are really interesting right now. The Josh Bailey scratch, the Bovillia scratch. Uh, Kiefer Bellows going on waivers, and you know that surprised some people. Yeah. We'll see if he gets claimed today. Um, you know, it's it's been a hard start to the year there. I, uh, definitely not what they were hoping for or expecting. And that's an, there has to be nights where your goalie says, "We need a win, and I'm going to get you that win." And Sorokin sure did that last night. I, I'm with you. I think he's a I think he's a hell of a goalie. 
Um, a couple of things from your notes uh, at your latest blog at, at uh, sportsnet.ca. The idea of the Buffalo Sabres and general manager Kevin Adams. We usually see this around trade deadline time uh, where a team has overperformed based on expectations and the manager says, well, this team deserves a trade. This team needs a shot in the arm. This team deserves something. I need to do something uh, to reward the players. Are the Buffalo Sabres already there? Well, I, uh, Kevin Adams uh, had an availability this morning, and I saw that, you know, they said that Samuelson and Yoka Harju don't need surgery, but they're going to be out a, a few weeks, both of those players. Yeah. And the one thing I didn't realize is I guess their American Hockey League team uh, is kind of banged up too, like Chase Prisky, who's a guy who could play in the NHL in, uh, if they needed him. I heard he's out. So they don't have, and the other thing too is like Pilot, you're you're worried about him because if you put him on waivers again, you know he might get claimed. So uh, I, I think the Sabers are looking for some organizational depth, and Adams said this morning that that's kind of what they're looking at. Like I don't necessarily know that he's looking to swing uh, uh, for the fences or something, but just get themselves some depth and. I'm actually a big believer, Jeff, in, in the players earn help. And Buffalo, I think, is one of those teams. It's interesting. Like some of the, some of the team uh, expected goals models that we don't see, that the ones that the teams keep, not the public ones, I, I don't think they're very high on the Sabres. I think they feel that their underlying numbers haven't been that great. But, it, but if, you, if you are Bill Parcells, the Hall of Fame football coach, he always said you are what your record says you are. And right now, Buffalo's record says that those guys are competing and they're in the race. They had a stinker against Seattle the other night, but that happens. Um, you know, yeah. they're in the race, they're competing. And I think sometimes you have to say to your players, look, like, we need a little bit of help here. And it looks like Buffalo's out there trying to do that. You know, that's interesting you mentioned that because uh, I can't remember whether it was on the radio show here or it was on the podcast. I made the point about or saying something about Craig Anderson and Eric Comrie and how well they've played. And it's a great story for both of them. Eric Comrie was, you know, for years considered the best goaltender, not in the NHL. We all know what's happened with him, you know, from team to team on waivers. You know, don't buy, don't buy a house, only rent, because you never know where you're going to end up. And then Craig Anderson is this 41-year-old phenom who's almost been out of the game a couple of different times and keeps coming back and keeps turning in wonderful performances. You know, his, his, his biggest enemy is the hospital bracelet. But he's done great. And someone from another team sent me, I think it was expected saves, and just with 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 the subject line C, not sustainable. And it was like the Buffalo Sabers were were right at the bottom. Like, hey, pump the brakes, don't get too far ahead of yourself. But to your point, uh, you just win, baby, right? Like they're they're doing great. Is it sustainable? Probably not. But you know, you pick up wins when you can get them. And so far, Anderson and Eric Comrie have done that for the Buffalo Sabers. Bill Parcells is in the Hall of Fame. You are what your record says you are. Not everybody believes that. People, a lot of people believe more in process. Yeah. But you know, Jeff, like at the end of the day, it's like, it's like you have to think about it like athletes think about it. Like I know sometimes we think about it a bit differently. No process. You should win that game. Uh, I always think about Kelly Rudy. The only the only stat that mattered to him was wins. It's the only time I ever think about Kelly Rudy. But it's when that comes back into my head. <laughs> I hope he's listening in Calgary right now. Hi, Kelly. Um, thought on Ethan Bear. 
Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, Rod Brindamore is coming up here in the bottom at the bottom of the hour. What's happening with Bear? I I I I was I was thinking that this was going to get sorted out one way or the other this weekend. Um, you know, I think obviously I think the Canucks have been around there. I think the Leafs have been around there. Um, I think Washington was around there, but that was more closer to the draft. Um, I've wondered if that makes any sense for the Sabers, um, but. Look, the kid wants to play, and um, you know, like I said, I don't think this is anything nefarious from the from the Hurricanes. Uh, they're a good team, and they're mm-hmm. going with their best roster. But kid wants to play, and you know, it, it, it was pointed out to me. I didn't mention this on Saturday night, Jeff, but you know, every player when you go into a building where that player was traded from, or released from, or discarded, any oh, way yeah. you want to put it. You know, you want to play. And, uh, you know, I heard it was really tough on Bear not to get to play in Edmonton last week when the Hurricanes were out there. And, you know, I've heard that, and, you know, Carolina feels that, and, you know, quite rightly in my opinion, that they shouldn't have to accept a bad trade or each salary for him. Um, The one thing I do wonder if he gets put on waivers to see if anyone takes the salary. And I've heard that if he clears and he's sent to the American Hockey League to play for the Wolves, uh, he'll do that. He just wants to play. And uh, at the end of the sure. day, I can't fault anybody for wanting that. Uh, ending on a sad note here. Not a sad note, but a, a bad note for for Sean Couturier. Uh, John Tortorella saying he has stopped skating. Uh, yeah. He's not ready to skate yet. Uh, listen, I don't think that there's a question here other than there's just a, you just hope that the guy gets back to health. Back injuries are awful for each. You know, Jeff, I think it shows you sometimes the real difficulty in uh, reporting these kinds of things. And, um, you know, there's some players that they play through a lot. Like, you like you know, I, I remember when, when Couturier was, was hurt and, um, um, you know, we, we, talk, we, uh, and we were reporting on it. You know, I had some people telling me, like, he's done. He, he won't play this year. And I had other people telling me, don't go with that because he's going to try and there's, he's going to get a second opinion and he's, and he's going to see what he can do. And that was initially what the comment was from the Flyers, that, he, that the second opinion didn't come out too bad and you know, he was going to try to start skating and come back a bit sooner. But you know, how many times throughout the years, Jeff, do you, hear, do you realize you hear that there's an injury and you're told it's really bad yeah. and the guy's playing because we know people suck it up and they try to play. But you know that if he can't go out there like this, it's not good. And you're right. You wish him the best. I, I just hate injuries to good players. Like, I didn't like it when Lonnie got hurt in game one. I can't stand it that Norris is going to be out for a good chunk of the year. And now Couturier, it just, it's not good for the people or the teams involved. It's, it robs the fans, too. Like, you look at the way the Flyers have played yeah. at the beginning of this year. They're competing. They're fighting hard. And you just, you, you can imagine how much Couturier wants to be part of it. And the Flyers fans want Couturier to be part of it. And how much better this team would be if Couturier were in it. Uh, before I let you go, any uh, any other fires you want to start in Vancouver before I uh, let you <laughs> enjoy the rest of your no, afternoon? The, uh, no, the arson, <laughs> being an arsonist, that's Anthony Stewart and Justin Bourne's job. I, I don't like doing that yeah. as much as those two okay. guys like doing it. 
Not rubbing any sticks together in BC today. <laughs> not pouring any gasoline. No, we're all good. Okay. Uh, enjoy your uh, your afternoon. Uh, I'll talk to you later on for the um, uh, for the podcast. And then tonight, it's the Maple Leafs and the San Jose Sharks. It's going to be a late one, Elliot Friedman. It'll be a late yes. one. Thanks, pal. We'll talk soon. I've already had my third coffee. Speak to you later. Fully caffeinated. There he is, Elliot Friedman.